and Dubcast. I'm Johnny, and he's George Eisner filling in this week for Andy, who again is off doing you know various espionage-related uh, activities. I think in the uh, the agricultural world. So if you know your eggs continue to be like forty dollars a carton, that's his fault. So blame him. Um, otherwise, though, we're going to talk about all kinds of fun stuff today. The thing is, is that we'll get into this when we get into um, the draft as a general thing okay and then we'll get into some of the specifics we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about men's basketball we'll talk about non-rev all that fun stuff ask us anything the first thing that i'm going to ask you though george how excited are you to be on the 11 dub cast uh, i'm thrilled Make something you, up. i i i can't feign any enthusiasm you you have to understand i've i've been here since may of 2021 and i try i try to keep a low profile i you know i do my usual that's my weekend duty and i uh you know i i publish if you've perused my viewing guides on saturday mornings during football seasons you might have seen me around otherwise you have absolutely no clue who i am around 11 warriors (laughs) probably um but i'm i'm absolutely thrilled to be here i'm i'm on i'm co-hosting the 11 dubcast before i've published in the carousel for the site so i'm you know this is after a year and a half or so of uh you know the grind around here to i feel like i'm i'm finally getting some some upward trajectory around these parts and you're well, you're lifting me up by your bootstraps johnny and i'm i'm i cannot overstate how thrilled i am to be here with you on the 11 dubcast thank you for laying it on incredibly thick i appreciate that uh i you know what a lot of people are like oh flattery you know no, no 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 please please give me all the adulation you possibly can because i'm a very insecure human being um let's talk about the draft and and i want to talk about it on a macro level and then we can get into the specifics here in a second i started watching the draft i'm 38 year old man i started watching the draft when i was probably about 10 11 years old i i will have to say i watched very little of the draft this year and i think it's weird because that's complete 180 from when I was a kid. I, w- I watched and consumed every single bit of the draft. And for whatever reason, that was something that really connected with me in large part because I wanted to see Ohio State guys outperform other players from other teams in these incredibly weirdly chosen inconsequential drills because I felt that validated Ohio State in a lot of ways. I feel like I've moved away from that mentality and therefore maybe the draft doesn't show as or the draft combine much. you mean, right? The combine. Yeah. I'm yes. sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I should, I should be specific on that. Yeah. The combine specifically the draft, obviously I'll pay attention to, but the combine specifically, thank you. Um, it's not something that I have been <clears throat> as attached to because for whatever reason, I don't take that same kind of pride. Maybe, I don't know. How, how do you feel about the combine? Is that something that's, that's big in your purview right now, or do you not pay as close attention as you do? Here's the thing. It's, it's one of those, one of the things that I really like about, or that I liked, you know, before the NBA kind of became an entirely like three point or layup league was, you know, when you would you would get like a text from your friend or something and you would hear like, oh, this guy's going off right now. He's going to get 40 points, 50 points. You should flip the channel, turn it on. Um, that same kind of thing, I think, 
still exists with the combine in some capacity. Right. I remember a few years ago when DK Metcalf was like, you know, everybody was talking about how the guy was cut out of granite and basically looked like a, you know, a bat suit come to life. Um, <laughs> and people were like, you got to watch this guy do the drills. And he went out and, you know, crushed the 40 and just started destroying every other drill at the position blowing up social media, you know, the videos going out there and everything. And, you know, I'm, I think AJ Brown was same class too. So that's his teammate and he was crushing the combine too. So people are like, you got to see these guys, they play on the same team. And, right. You know. Right. Uh, so that kind of hype for the combine, I think still exists in some capacity in terms of like when a guy just stunningly out of nowhere does something crazy, you know, John Ross breaks the 40 record a few right. years ago that that sort of athletic spectacle still, I think is the draw, but to, you know, I don't think that you're off base in terms of you can only see the same amount of drills ran a certain amount of times before it becomes kind of stale. And you're just like, Oh, you know, I'll hear about how you know the guys do and how they do. I will say last year, you know, there was some controversy about Chris Olave's 40 time because he ran oh, sub right. four three, and even we, when that came back, were all <laughs> highly skeptical. Uh -huh. Much as we love the guy and any receiver that comes through here, we were all like, "There's, there's absolutely no way that that can be correct. Like that's right. got to be just a little bit." And it came out a little bit later. I think it was like four three seven, which was still, I mean, blistering for you know relative to. We thought Garrett Wilson would be faster, and he yep. was, but it, you know that that was a little bit shocking. So there's still some interest, I guess, in terms of like weird, quirky things that happen with Ohio State players in and out. But you end up hearing about it later on more than you know needing to witness it live at this point. So I, I don't think you're off base at all. I think this is one of those things where social media has really changed how we consume it quite a bit. And and what I mean by that is the same with like the Heisman, for example, or even, I don't know, even if you're looking at other sports and, and things like that, where you may not see a guy 20 years ago live and then, you know, in person or like on your television screen, you know, as is he's playing games, you may not be able to see as many clips as you do now. And so it feels like, you know, a lot of these players a lot better than you would otherwise. And so because of that, it's it's less of a, you know, check out what this guy is doing on this part of the country because it's all instantaneous. You know exactly what everybody's doing all the time. And so there, I think there are fewer surprises. I think that's really what it is. And um, I, I think to that point, too, you know, 10, 15 years ago when you would get that recap of the results, I think most of the time you were getting it in writing. And now to right. be able to just kind of view the video of it, like as soon as it just get that news update. I, I think it completely changes the way people are digesting the information. I agree. Um, let's talk real quick about some of the, we can look at the measurables here. And I, I think that's, what's really interesting sometimes when you look at these guys, cause it, some of it's not very surprising. Like Dewan Jones, he's a large person and guess what? The, the, the combine confirmed that he was, uh, he is in fact a very large human being, uh, six, eight, uh, you know, what? three bills and, and almost and 75, 75 pounds, a uh, big guy hand, almost 12 inches. <laughs> they said, I think he set the senior bowl record for reach for alignment yeah. at least. So it was, I mean, even before the combine started, but after the season ended, it wasn't going to be a household secret that that guy's measurables were going to kill it. And still it's we're seeing this kind of eye opening 
awakening from the national media. They're like, oh right. my God, the, this guy, big Thanos is actually huge. <laughs> it's actually big and the size of Thanos. His hand's almost a foot wide. That's ridiculous. You see why Gorge. he was, you know, uh, I, I think Dan was like, I thought he could actually genuinely be a good Mac level basketball center if he had oh, decided to go could. that route. So, I mean, He's the guy little... is a natural athlete for how big he is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you look at some of the stats with, you know, CJ Stroud, 6'3", 214. Awesome. Good for him. I mean, you know, Jackson, Benjiga, all these guys, I, I don't think there's a lot of surprises because you know that they're uber athletic, super talented. A uh, little surprise, Luke Whipler uh, ran the second fastest 40-yard dash of any Ohio State player at the Combine. Good for him. Uh, five, five seconds, 14. Uh, mostly by dint of there only being two people uh, to actually attempt the 40, <laughs> including himself and Dewan Jones. So, um, you know, everybody else, I guess, is waiting for maybe the faster track at Ohio State's Pro Day. I can't Smart. believe C.J. Stroud didn't want to run. Can you believe that? <laughs> I hope he actually ducks it at the pro day too. He says, nah, I'm good. That'd Maybe be a great bit. My hand no, he, he doesn't have anything left to prove. And honestly, like one, I don't know if you saw, I mean, this is another storyline you may have may not heard, but one guy whose stock was surging at quarterback going into this was Anthony Richardson. Yep. And I was very high on Anthony Richardson as a Heisman candidate going into the season. And I think it was about halfway through the season, like even past when they had played Tennessee and that game had just been a barn burner in terms of two-way scoring. Anthony Richardson had more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns halfway through Florida season. It was very evident that he was a freak athlete that just could not throw the ball. And I was surprised to hear that he was going in the draft this year. I thought he at least needed another year to kind of refine his arm. How much of that? Real quick, though, George, how much yeah. of that do you think is a smokescreen leading up to the combine? Because I really do think, and and even up to the draft, because I, I honestly think a lot of times there are teams that throw that kind of stuff out there just to cause disruption or chaos or whatever for whatever deals or, you know, trades or whatever they're trying to figure out when it comes to choosing their guys. I, I honestly think a lot of these guys get hyped up and it's it, it doesn't feel authentic, I guess. It's possible. I mean, I, I still... After witnessing what happened with Justin Fields a few years ago and then seeing uh, the aftermath, it's it's right. hard. I, I can't imagine that stuff like that doesn't exist in some form. I don't know if it would be in this case. It does kind of fascinate me that usually the knock on players of Richardson's profile is their stock goes down because of the flaws that people are pointing out, which was – I think in some capacity tried to made, you know, in terms of Lamar Jackson when he was in in the draft. Um, but the difference there obviously was that he was a Heisman winning quarterback. Like it was obvious right. he was of that caliber. And Richardson, uh, I, I, it's it, it was fascinating to see the stock go up and then compared when he was put directly next to CJ Stroud, it was very evident which quarterback between the two of them should be going first overall if one of them is too. Because Stroud right. killed every short throw he had, you know, killed every throw he had. I don't even he should he may not even need to do Ohio State's pro day, honestly, based on the performance he gave and the feedback that he got. It's very evident that he's 
the best, if not one of the two best quarterbacks in this draft. And Richardson was biffing throws in creative ways, like finding (laughs) interesting ways to miss practice throws. So it's, I don't like planning that information before the combine and then just having that narrative kind of blow up just kind of seems like it defeats the purpose of going to that effort. So I don't know if what you're describing applied in this case, but I certainly do think that there are, you know, just with the way that media can easily be manipulated by the forces, um, you know, that are in play with the sport in terms of the, the management of the teams, which is, you know, something that is evident in a lot of sports and something in very prevalent in a sport that I, I, you know, follow a lot, which is the UFC where mm-hmm. almost all the media is tied to, you know, I mean, you've seen it with what Dana White, uh, you know, downplaying the slapping his wife controversy We're three oh, sure. months in and people seem to have almost, it, it's gotten memory hold at this point. And, you know, the, the, you know, the machine just keeps on turning. So I think that there's definitely narrative plants that can be used to sabotage draft stock. I feel like Justin Fields was probably a victim of that a few years ago. I don't know if it was applied in this case. I certainly hope leading up to the draft that we don't see anything similar with CJ Stroud, but he's such a like low key, cool character. I can't imagine that there's going to be anything that comes up in terms of like, you know, people trying to, you know, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the comments that people were making, the way they were talking about his, his combine and, and obviously the film that it was putting out there. I mean, they were talking, it, you know, people will often, I think wax poetic, especially in the NFL about arm strength, all that kind of stuff. But I think it says something when you see a guy and they're like, he can make literally every throw right now. That That's something that teams picking high salivate over because they don't want a project, I think, at this point. They want a guy who can step in and be smart and make all the throws and be a, you know, C.J. Stroud isn't Joe Burrow, but they want a guy who I think can, who isn't going to be a project, who isn't going to have to, you know, sit behind a guy for two or three years. And when you see things like a guy saying CJ Stroud's having the best, one of the best throwing sessions I've ever seen. And, you know, there was one quote where it was, uh, this is from Jordan Schultz who said, he didn't say this. He's reported that an NFL scout said that he had one of the best combines I've ever seen from the quarterback. Sometimes the short throws can be tricky, not for him. Everything was clean. Arm was effortlessly big, measured well, pretty much perfect. That's that to me says that's a guy who's going really, really, really high in the draft, just the way they're talking about him. And I, I'm with you too. I mean, the, the pro day, I don't know what much else he really needs to do. Um, you know, it's, it's friendly confines and, you know, you would assume he'd be more comfortable, but you had a pretty much, like if you say, if you say it's pretty much perfect, I don't know how you improve on that performance. Um, I think he can pretty much just sandbag it, do the bare minimum of the pro day and and he's good to go. I, I think that guy's a, you know, a very high pick, if not the top pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, I, I think after that performance, you're going to see, and, and especially too, there's been a bit of, you know, I did think it was a little funny coming in, um, especially in light of, I, it it crushed me. Um, and and you, and I, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on this, because this will be from the era of when you followed the Combine stuff. Sure. It crushed me in 2006 when I when I thought I was finally going to see an Ohio State quarterback like go positively in the NFL <laughs> draft because I I was a Bears fan so when they got Krenzel I was so excited 
And I remember going to one of the games and some random fan asked me who my favorite player on the team was. And I'm a, you know, I'm like a, I don't know, a 10 year old Ohio state fan. I don't know. Sure. I'm so I'm, I, I'm Ohio state first bear. That's a second, trap, so by I the think way, that's a 10 year old kid. Like who's your favorite player? I said then, Craig Krenzel was my favorite player, and that guy yeah. gave me so much guff for it. It was unbelievable. Like in front of my dad, it was so embarrassing. Oh but it, uh, you know, I after Krenzel obviously washing out the Bears, I was so desperate for an Ohio State quarterback to do well. And I figured obviously Troy Smith wins the Heisman Trophy. It's gonna be Troy Smith. And then all I hear the whole draft leading up is He's not six foot, so he's going to go in the fifth round. And I'm thinking people got to be crazy. And then obviously Troy Smith doesn't, you know, end up doing right. much in the NFL and it stinks. But uh, I was, you know, what was, uh, were you surprised back then in terms of the narrative that was forming against him in the, in the draft that kind of sabotaged his stock despite how well he played in his last so, year? With Troy Smith specifically, I, I kind of got it. I think in terms of size I, with it's funny because I think what happened with Craig Krenzel specifically is what kind of made the scales fall from my eyes a little bit <laughs> because prior to that, you know, I, I like football, but I didn't really think about football. You know what I mean? I didn't think about right. strategy or what NFL teams would care about. I'm like, Craig Krenzel won a national championship. Every team should want to <laughs> draft him. He should be number one. What are you talking about? And obviously, that's not the metric that these teams go by for very good reasons. That's that it is not going to be a top 10 pick. Um, but, you know, when I saw that and then I saw Craig Krenzel was kind of performing in the NFL, I was like, oh, yeah, you, you do have to have talent. That is that is kind of important. Um, I, I looked at Troy Smith and I'm like, OK, this is a guy who does some really good things. But then I saw some of the other dudes that he was getting drafted with. And I kind of realized what the NFL was going for at that time, especially when I look at a dude like Carson Palmer, right? Like one of his contemporaries. I'm like, that is not, he's not Carson Palmer. <laughs> he's not a guy who's going to give you that same kind of game. And, you know, it's, it's in my mind at that time, it was like either that or Michael Vick. And as much as I love Troy Smith, he was not Michael Vick in terms of talent and ability and, and all that stuff and, and what he brought. And again, not to say anything against Troy Smith. I, I still think that he had a shot but the Ravens had he not gotten sick and then kind of got Wally Pip by, you know, Joe Flacco. Um, but he definitely wasn't the prototypical guy that the NFL was looking for at the time. And I think that's part of why I wasn't super shocked that that's what ended up happening with him in the draft. Um, but, you know, it, what bothers me, and when you look at all of this, and, and especially with, with CJ Stroud, I mean, putting out the measurables that he has, doing such a great job at the combine, all that kind of stuff. I hate the narratives that evolve around teams and saying like, oh, high state quarterbacks can't be successful or something. And that it's so illogical on the face of it, right? Like none of these guys, you know, exist in some kind of like common sludge that they are born from, right? Where they're, they all share the same DNA. Like all these guys are different dudes. They're all different human beings. They're all individuals. They all have, you know, their ups and downs, but it's, it's going to be predicated on who they are as players, not who Ohio state is or what Ohio state is as a program that will make them successful or not. And so I like, that's part of why I really pull for guys like Justin Fields, because I'm like, I it, not even so much for them, although I would love to see him be successful because, you know, he seems like a good dude and I like his game, but also because I just hate that narrative. It just drives me crazy. And I know that we get excited when we talk about like DBU or, you know, wide receiver U and stuff. And that's, that's fun. But like, to me, it also DBU lately. these guys as players a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, uh, 
you know, the, the unfortunate reality is the, even though it is a narrative, it's the, the results are, you know, kind of right. What I guess people are going to talk about that aren't sure. following it closely. But that and doesn't have anything to do with CJ Stroud though, right? Like, it no, it doesn't, you know. but it's, I, I'm not saying the narrative is correct. I'm just right. saying in terms of the, the reality that we have to operate in and, and argue against it, uh, right. you know, it, it until someone comes along and effectively disproves it, it's it's going to be the reality that we encounter as Ohio State fans that we have to argue back against. I don't I don't like it any more than you or any other Buckeye fan, but it just is what it is. What I will say is I I feel like Justin Fields this past season kind of effectively disproved that. Yeah. Um the issue is I, I there, there's some people who'd be oh he's like you know not authentically homegrown Ohio State talent he was only there for two years or something I don't know if someone's going to bring that up but um, you know even though he had obviously all of his success as a Buckeye in college um, but he had he broke so many I, and I don't I, I recognize most people that are listeners of the show are probably either Bengals fans or Browns fans and probably don't follow the Bears super close but Fields broke. Uh, an obscene amount of team records this year for the bears and you know obviously had several individual standout performances this year including the best regular season rushing game for an nfl quarterback we've ever seen which is so i mean that's i mean think about all that i mean that that's a long history of quarterbacks who have done some pretty incredible things and for him to do that is is pretty amazing on a horrible bears team that has the first overall pick in the draft that will be traded down to either the colts or the texans who are about to get in a bidding war for cj stroud based on that combine performance which is why i brought up troy smith to begin with because i think it's i we're inevitably going to see that bidding war for smith now or not smith for uh stroud now i think because bryce young has had a similar narrative evolving against him that smith did mm-hmm. that's not going to sabotage his stock all the way down to round five i don't think right. but, but he's half an inch too short so there's teams that are actively concerned that this guy was listed taller than he really right. is right. and that's under and you know given I didn't think Kyler Murray had a bad season, but I, I I just remember watching his first few games as a rookie and thinking, how the hell is this guy going to see over any offensive right. line? And he's obviously had incredible fantasy football variety success as a player at five foot eight or whatever he's truly listed at. But um, Bryce Young obviously is not operating at the the scrambling speed that Kyler Murray is, which makes it, you know, even though the guy's a Heisman candidate or the Heisman Trophy winner, not candidate. Um, I, he effectively, I think, after this combine's fallen out, and it's going to be interesting to see how much the Texans versus the Colts covet the the quarterback that I think has emerged as the number one overall guy. And to that point, I think it's going to be really cool that we finally see an Ohio State quarterback go number one overall again for, is it the first time since Schlichter? Did oh, Schlichter goodness. go first? I overall? think it would have to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, Schleister, that would be uh, at this point. How many years would that be? It'd be I think eighty. Like it was like early eighties. I think was when he got done. Eighty-two, eighty-three. I want to say. Yeah. He so Arch Schlichter was actually fourth overall in the. Oh, uh, I thought he was number one. The eighty-two draft, but 
regardless, I mean, it would be a huge statement. And, you know, Stroud is just the prototypical, like he's the guy they want right now in the NFL. He, everything about him, he's cool. He can make every throw, unflappable, played in an offense, right, that I, that I think translates well. So I think he's got all the things going for him. Some of these other dudes I think are also going to go really high. I like you look at a dude, Paris Johnson, by the way. I mean, people, I, I think he is being it's in terms of like the offensive line, he's what CJ Stroud is right now for the NFL to, you know, what offensive line would be, you know, for the NFL in terms of what they want to draft. Like he is the guy, he's like the prototype. And so him, Dewan Jones, just being a giant mountain of granite is going to really help him. Um, obviously Jackson Smith and Jigba who did really well at the combine for himself as well. Uh, his, his, you know, the, the shuttles and three cones and all that, where he was just unbelievable. Um, I think a lot of these guys really did themselves a lot of favors in the, uh, the draft combine. Um, I think you're going to see them go pretty high. You're going to see a lot of Buckeyes in that first round, the later rounds. I'm, I'm a little interested to see how that plays out, especially with a guy like Zach Harrison, for example. Um, there is a lot of potential there that you'd be drafting on, uh, you know, and with his wings, I mean, the guy is, you know, also similarly huge, um, so I don't know. It's interesting to see what this draft is going to look like. And it's definitely going to be one of those things where Ohio State fans are going to be interested throughout because there's a lot that can that can happen, I think, in the draft and, and you know where these guys might go. I think it's going to be a very top-heavy draft for Ohio State, but I don't think there's a lot of schools that can say that they have those, um, you know, on a somewhat recurring basis. Um, so it's something yeah. to be proud of for sure. Um, when Dan Hope, told us that Paris Johnson was moving like a tight end in the agility drills for linemen. I felt pretty good about uh, where his uh, draft stock was yeah. headed. Yeah. Cause that's not a compliment yeah. you hear very often from no. people that spectate the sport for a living. That's right. Um, so All right. That's, so that's the, that's the draft combine. We'll, we'll obviously get more into the draft as we get a little bit closer, look some of the mocks and all that kind of stuff. Let's move on to, a little bit to the men's basketball team. We have been talking about them periodically. If you've been listening to 11 Upcast, it does come up. It's a topic that we do occasionally get into. <laughs> um, so, all right. So they win a couple at the end. I, I, I continue to bust out my lose all of them, you know, uh, quote uh, until they actually won one. They, they, get a couple they lose to michigan state in their finale uh right now they are a 13 seed in the big 10 tournament besting minnesota which which did actually a team that did beat them uh during the big 10 regular season um they got to play wisconsin it's coming up here on wednesday let me ask you this do they get by them i'm not going to ask you if they win the tournament that's not happening they'll they'll be done when they're done but okay. Well, before, before I answer that question, uh, there's something that needs to be addressed relative to this team and something that uh, Jason made us aware of earlier today, which is that currently, um, you know, we're, we're, we're about three months into legal mobile sports betting in Ohio. And I know Johnny, <laughs> you've, you've admitted in the past that you're not really privy to that scene and how odds work and everything, but yeah, um, you know, J- Jason Priestess, the site owner uh, operator, uh, keeps us regularly informed of like, you know, when like betting lines come out and stuff. And right. uh, when the big 10 tournament odds came out today, Ohio state was, you know, the penultimate team as Johnny alluded to in front of Minnesota. And uh, they're currently, f- uh, you know, plus 4,000, I think. Yeah. 40 which, to one odds, right? Right. So it's, you know, bet a hundred dollars to win 4k 
um, which, you know, may sound enticing if you're one of the people that over the last two months have, you know, regularly been betting Ohio State to either, you know, cover the spread or the money line straight out. And uh, I believe since after New Year's Day, they, you know, if you picked Ohio State to win or bet on them, you've lost something in excess of like 15 times. Uh, so you're you're down a lot and you're probably looking at that and thinking, oh, I can, you know, I can break even if Ohio State, they rally here because right. the Zed key shoulder injuries out of the picture now. And right. They almost beat. They've won two out of the last three, George. What are you talking about? Michigan State and they had a couple wins before that and they're gearing up. Just don't do it. If they do win the tournament for some, you know, miracle and Holtman goes on a run, enjoy it. It'll be great. They they tend, you know, I it, not as much, I think, in recent seasons, but, you know, in my lifetime as an Ohio State fan, they have generally upped their game for the tournament and played well and been competitive. They don't let themselves just get, like, blown over. So enjoy the experience. Don't gamble on it because the books are already killing it in Ohio through three months. All right. right. Don't made do billions. It. Okay. Yeah. No, I, you know what? And what's weird about this is if you look at Holtman's performances, the big 10 tournament, it really is hot or cold, like completely on or off. Like the, the switch is either on or it's off, but I don't know. I mean, it, this is a team that I don't feel like wants to finish their season quite yet. They're playing a team that's also pretty bad. So I, Look, if I'm just looking at Wisconsin and I'm looking at this game, I would give them an even chance to advance. I, they're not going to win the tournament. That's not happening, period. That's, that's sorry. That's the pipe dream. But to move on, to maybe get to play, uh, you know, what? They would play, I guess, the winner. Who would they play? If It would be the winner of uh, – oh, no, they'd have to, to play Iowa. Bracket. They would play Iowa. Okay. Oh, Which, I mean, right. good luck. But, you know. <laughs> to take out you know fran that would be fun and then i would have more if i was on that team i'd have more fun actively making fran mccaffrey red face than i would oh playing basketball against a university of that Wisconsin would be basketball that would team. be like my number one motivator as a big 10 player but but that's the thing is that's the game if they beat wisconsin and to your point where you're thinking what does this team have to play for um Make you know, it is it is interesting that Bryce Sensabaugh is only going to be third team All Big Ten. I believe that <laughs> came out today because that that's a motivator. That's like I no. think well, it does throw a wrench into. I think you know, is that guy going to leave or not? Uh, you know, I I think somebody has jokingly floated the potential of him like transferring instead of actually going pro, which would be a hilarious mark against Holtman. But oh, if God. he does come back now, because that performance wasn't as strong as he would have wanted it would have been interesting and it's not like he's going to salvage that in the tournament this year and then you know obviously zed shut down i i think it is fair for you to wonder what does this team have to play for you know who it's it's great it, you know it's it's great that holtman can kind of feel like he's in a position where this team might be able to do something given the fact that they've you know separated from Zed for the time being and can just focus on, you know, working with what they have, but it's, you know, it is late. The team obviously hasn't done as well. And it's, it's fair to wonder, like, should we just, you know, get on with worrying about next season at this point? And it's not fun to, if you're not in a position where you're like, Oh, I, you know, absolutely want to go the distance 
playing a team like Wisconsin is not fun. No, it's and not. because of that, I can't imagine that if you know the heart isn't all the way into it, they're going to be able to win a gritty, grindy tournament basketball game. And unfortunately, I think I can see them bowing out pretty early here. Um, that's just not a fun team to play against. If they, if they were playing Iowa and it was you know a team that's a little bit more loose defensively and you can kind of run and gun a little bit more with them right. and you know get in a rhythm for the tournament, it'd be a little bit different. But to have to bounce back from a loss um, against this team when you're already just in a position where it's easier for you to pack it up and go home. I hate to talk that way as a fan, um, but no, it's, it's, fine. We've been it's doing just the reality of the situation. You know? It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it'll be tough. I, you know what? I would like to see him come out and get that win, but I agree with you that that will be difficult. Um, I do. Th- I, you know what? I, I think that they'll still come out. I think Holman will get them up for it. Um, it'll be hard because you're right. It is a grinded out kind of game and it's not going to be a fun game to play. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how how they come out and play. Not because I think they're gonna you know win the tournament or anything like that, but more because um, uh, what do they got to lose at this point? I mean, you're you're you know you lose and you're done. It's fine. You're not gonna get in the NIT. You're not playing the NCAA. You might as well just go balls to the wall and see what you can do. So I, that'll be fun. I will say, like it's been fun for me, like as someone that. I, my my usual trend with watching this team is I'm one of the Ohio State fans that waits until after football season to get involved. But I actually take that even further and that I just kind of take January off because of the fatigue I have from football season week in, week out, and then get involved in February. And for the years that I've watched this team, uh, it's been somewhat frustrating. And for the amount of like I've you know, watch the NBA evolve with like athleticism and all these phenomenal athletes and size at foot from forward to center, all these positionless long players. And yet my favorite college team year in, year out has awkward six foot seven lefty centers like <laughs> Evan Ravenel and Dallas Lauderdale and, and, you know, just the, the names go on and on and who can forget our beloved Amir Williams. Um, but to that point, I mean, Amir Williams is like one of the only guys I can remember in like the last decade that feels like a, a legit sized seven footer playing the five position for Ohio State. And mm-hmm. I it just it makes me feel good when I see Felix Opara out there manning that five position and thinking about like, you know, what that guy's future is for, you know, if he's sticking around because it that guy's I, I think that he can be very good for this team and he can give them some support that they haven't really typically had to have because they've been relying on guys like Zed Key. But if Zed Key comes back again next year, then you know, I don't know. We're, you know, looking at something potentially different. But you can at yeah. least take some solace in watching a legit seven footer for Ohio State for once. Agreed. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and do Ask Us Anything. But before we do that, we want to remind you that the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. It's abnormally hot. Buy a T-shirt because it's, it's – I don't know why it's like 70 degrees in early March or throughout all of February basically. But all the more reason to give us money and, and buy one of our fantastic shirts. Uh, let's go ahead and do Ask Us Anything. Um, we want to remind you, you can ask us literally anything. And by the way, uh, George has not uh, gotten any preparation in this whatsoever. So in keeping with 
uh, ask us anything tradition. I don't, I don't have I Andy's do. agricultural acumen, so if you have any questions of that variety, I apologize. You know or what? Wrestling. That actually makes it better. So, okay. uh, <laughs> again, you can you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com uh, and ask us literally anything. This one's from Kevin. He says, guys, I eat tomatoes like apples. Me too, Kevin, by the way. I also do that. I love it. Uh, I know Johnny chews on lemons. I yes, I do that. What other stranger things do you eat? What is the weirdest things that you eat, George? Oh man, well What's something that you enjoy that other people would go no, no. Oh, you. that's a good question. Um, I have an uncle who eats white like Vendale. Vendale. I don't know how you say that word, but the white onions, like he also eats those like hand fruit. He eats them like an apple. It's gross. You know, my my dad loves black licorice, and he turned it. He turned me onto it at a very young age, and I most people that I encounter absolutely hate it. And I think it's, I think it's delightful. I'm a black licorice fan too. Now, have you ever had like the Scandinavian black licorice, which is supposedly I have not heard of it. No. Do you know what I'm talking about though? With like, I guess it's like salty or something. No. Yeah. So salty sweet. That's, you know, I know that's like, it's like crack when you, you know, combine those two things. So I'm sure that's quite a, uh, it's quite a sensation in your mouth for your taste buds. So yeah, salt, like, salty uh, candy. Have to try that sometime. A culture that pickles uh, fish and stuffs it in seal carcasses and then buries it, you know, under a beach somewhere in Scandinavia. I don't know that their licorice might be up to snuff as like it a feels box. on brand that they would tort. Well, that's that's what they they have all that salt from preserving their fish and yeah, exactly. meats and whatnot. They had to just put it on their you know sweets as well. Yeah, but like half salt anyway. So, uh, but yeah, I eat tomatoes like apples. They're great. They're amazing. Um, this one is from Nate, and Nathan says here, "Hey gents, does Ohio State need to put statues around the stadium of former great players and coaches?" I know Woody has a statue at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, but it seems wrong that guys like Archie, Eddie, Hop, Cassidy, Trestle, etc., don't have statues. Is this something that the university should invest in? And if so, who gets a statue and who does not? Does Jesse Owens have a statue? He didn't for a while. Originally, it was just that weird triangular prism thing in front of the stadium. Yeah. And then they did actually make a, a statue of Jesse Owens finally yeah. a few years okay. back, which I'm glad. So my he, my he, first thing was going to be, if Jesse Owens doesn't have a statue, then nobody at Ohio State gets a statue other than uh, our, our buddy out, out in front of the library, Mr. Thompson. That's um, right. But uh okay so jesse owens is accounted for um i think archie deserves one 100 i i think that's silly not to have one of him and i know that he's he's kind of a i don't think he's a guy who would love that necessarily before other guys um, so he deserves it i just had an idea because i've this is something that i used to think about when i was a um when i was a student which is if um I always thought it was kind of interesting seeing like there's if you're if you're sitting in the south end zone on a a game where the wind isn't like super terrible or the weather's not bad, you can usually see up on like the the elevated concrete like pillars that make up the the hor- the top of the horseshoe. Mm-hmm. There's usually like security guards standing up there like one or two. There's also usually a sniper that's on top of uh, Link. Uh, is it Lincoln or Merrill? Which one is the tower that's closest? I think it's the, Lincoln. Okay. There's yeah, there's a, tower, usually a sniper that's on top of Lincoln. So if you're if you're thinking of repeating uh, any Schlegel esque activities, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend doing that. Um, but anyway, 
they uh my point i'm getting to with this is i think what would be cool is those those elevated concrete platforms that you usually have the security guards standing on top of around the horseshoe part of ohio yeah. stadium yeah. Put statues of former players on top of them as kind of like the Ring of Honor thing. I that know would they be kind very, of done that with the retirement yeah. numbers, but that I think would be that'd very be a great Greek style, numbers. right? Yeah. Like the Parthenon, like that would I think that would be excellent for Heisman that, winners, particularly. I think it would be appropriate. That would be sick. I mean, you've got what yeah. seven of them, right? So that's I think right. that would, that that's a flex too. It is. <laughs> it is. It's a huge flex, and especially okay. So if you've got your stadium that's already you know Greek architecture, you know inspired, you might as well go whole hog. There you go. And man. do you know put in the statues? Put them in to put them in togas. You know what I mean? With like Olive Reese around their head. Don't make don't put them in football uniforms or anything like that. Don't bang them in pads. But it would be Buckeye leaves, not, oh, not that's olives. Right. Yeah. Perfect. And then yeah, that's right. And you know what? Yeah, that's right. It's a wreath of Buckeye leaves. And then maybe they're like, you know, they're they're holding uh like a game program from 2000. Well, they're all doing like their you know signature highlight pose or that's something. That's right. But in togas, they have to be wearing togas. That is okay. that is insane. So Heisman winners absolutely agree. Jim Trestle, I think at some point will get a statue. And put um, Gordon Gee somewhere too. <laughs> <deserves it. laughs> uh, who was? Oh gosh, who was the president that everybody hated? Uh, Karen Holbrook. She can. She can like be. How about President out. Drizzy, the guy that they replaced Gordon Gee with? Oh, there you go. Refused to absolutely would not give a snow day ever. The whole time I was That's there, right. it, was, it was devastating. Um, okay, so let's go to the next one here. This is uh, from Peter. It says, thanks for the shout out, his first. You're welcome, Peter. Uh, Andy put up a spirit of defense with his baked potato comparison. He's, he's basically, uh, Peter, for those of you who weren't listening last week, uh, really hates grits. And Andy loves grits and put up a very spirited defense. And, and let me tell you something. Don't get between Andy and his favorite foods. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Um, so he says he's not eating baked potatoes for breakfast either so are we sure andy isn't a closet sec fan which i think is funny for us to do that while andy can't defend himself so i don't know maybe andy is a closet sec fan maybe maybe he's just been a plant all along who knows uh it says so peter goes on and says it reminds me of australia where baked beans are apparently a brekkie staple that all that's i think that's all commonwealth countries actually it was either eat them or go hungry but i can't recommend them um i've had what's what's Vegemite or Marmite? Which one's the Australian one? Is it Vegemite? Vegemite is the is the it's the meme food of Australia. Yeah, I've had it's Vegemite. Horrible. It's disgusting. It's awful. Um, I had some Australian friends when I lived in uh, Japan, and they're like, "Yeah, let's try it." And I said, "Okay," because I'm stupid, and I just took a big old spoonful of it and spit it right out. That was disgusting. Yeah, they do things a little differently down there, but you know, it's uh. I'd I'd still love to go sometime, but oh, I'm God, definitely yeah. not going to try Vegemite. <laughs> yeah, they have some good ideas. They do that. Uh, they have. I think they have like a three. They do that work schedule rotation where they do like three months off on, and then they oh, do yeah. like a three week break or something. So yeah, I mean, you know, they they got some things worked out down there, but Veg, uh, Vegemite not one of their best. I ideas agree by comparison. I have some friends in New Zealand too, and that is another place I would definitely love to check out. It seems oh, like a, sure. a quality place. Um. Last one here, this is from our good friend Alvin, and it's, again, a shame that Andy isn't here to answer this one because I know he would just lose his mind about it and probably add another 30 minutes onto the dubcast. But the question is, uh, how do you like your steak meat 
what temperature and paired with what sides and drinks. Oh, are you a okay. snake eater, George? Do you, are you, oh, of course. Eater? And I, I, I will say like, even though I don't, you know, I'm, I can't give you an expert opinion the way Andy can, sure. but I do have a family friend that worked for the, um, at one point they were like the main supplier of like meat for McDonald's. And we consulted with him one point just casually, like, you know, what, what's the best way to go with, you know, steak or whatever he recommended ribeye and, you know, you want medium rare, get, get that warm. You want that warm center, but I usually like it closer to pink than red. Mm -hmm. Um, but you still want a medium rare, but it was interesting. I was out at a, I was out at a steakhouse, uh, in Chicago in I believe it was October. It was Gibson's and they offered up the option of medium rare plus, And I had never heard that before. And that was either. like exactly the, what I just described is it was what medium rare plus would be. So I've, it's kind of, it's a little bit of a prudish thing. I think, you know, I'm a little bit nervous to try it out at future steakhouses, but I would go medium rare plus, on a ribeye and uh you know i usually if i'm if i'm just with the boys i want to get you know some fries or whatever but you know if, if you know you're out with your lady friend or on a date or whatever you know you get you get some asparagus you, you get some health <laughs> pretend you want to eat healthy yeah exactly well that you know you get you you get your greens and you show you're a well-rounded individual you not go. just you know a complete savage that's addicted to potatoes but you know i'm an i'm an irishman through and through so i there you, know, you go. gotta get me some french fries what about Everybody's you? Everybody's fantastic. Uh, I'm I'm a medium rare guy. Um, I love I love a good ribeye, but honestly, I I do like a T-bone. You know, just a huge big slab of meat that's the mm -hmm. same size as the plate that it's served on. I enjoy that. I will say though, I get a little snooty about the sides. There is a um, there's a a place in Dayton. There's a steak place in Dayton that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty. It's the pine. What is it? The Pine Club, I think. In Dayton, do you know, what I've I'm never been about? to Dayton. Uh, I've only driven through it, unfortunately. Okay, well, so the Pine Club in Dayton is is a pretty well regarded place, and I've been there. I don't know, probably like five or six times. And I look, I'm not hating on the Pine Club's actual steak. Actual steak at the Pine Club is still very good, and it's annoying because you have to pay only in cash, and they don't take reservations, and the actual restaurant itself is pretty dingy. But the steak, it's a legit steak. However, for the price that you're paying, I want to see some effort put into the sides. And I love it when they they go with the broccoli, but they season it when it feels like it's an extension of the steak. Like they basically season the broccoli in the same things that they season the steak with. Um, I, I love I love a good broccoli side that's just a big hunk of broccoli because it just feels like it offsets the steak. I do like the mashed potatoes that go along with it. So really those three things, even if it's like fries, it's just potato, broccoli, steak. It doesn't need to be fancy, but it does need to be good. And that's what always disappointed me about the, the pine club is like the steak's great. And then everything else that you get is just kind of meh. So I need the whole experience, but honestly steak, as far as steak goes, I'm a big T-bone guy medium rare when i went to so my wife and i we did our um honeymoon in florence italy and i didn't know this before i went but uh when we were in florence a huge thing that they're known for is the florentine steak 
And we were at a restaurant and I ordered the steak or the 14. They asked me how I wanted it. And I said, I don't know, like medium rare. <laughs> and they're like, no, you don't want it that way. You want it the way we do it in Florence, which is essentially as rare as it possible. Stupid American. I know. I was like, well, why did you even give me the option? <laughs> he was like, we're going to take care of you. I'm like, fine, do whatever you want to do. I don't care. I want, I want the experience. And so they gave me the Florentine steak and the size and it was magnificent. It was an incredible meal. Um, so you know what, if you're good at your craft, I'm willing to go along with it is my point when it comes to steak, because I'm a dumbass. I'm, I'm, I'm not a smart man. And especially when it comes to knowing what food is good to eat. So I'll, you know, if you've got good ideas about what I should be eating, I'll try it. I'm a very, I'm open to pretty much anything. So, I don't know, man. You gave basically the same answer that I did. So I think you're a man of culture, actually, well, you know, what you're great. talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We're both, we're both very intelligent, uh, cultured uh, men of taste. So I, I appreciate that. I Thank mean, you. we're two guys on a podcast, so obviously we know what we're talking about. Exactly. Um, let me ask you this. What is your uh, favorite steakhouse in Columbus? That's a good question. I, you know what? I, the thing is Lindy's is, is one that a lot of people are all about, right? Like mm-hmm. Lindy's is an excellent place. And I, and I, I know that there's Cameron Mitchell restaurants and all that kind of stuff around. And I, I still, all the places that I've gone to and had a steak and it hasn't been a ton. I'm not like a connoisseur. I won't claim to be, but I still really love Lindy's and how they put things together there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this one place, I think it's since, sh- since shut down. There was like a place called M downtown that was like supposedly one of the best steak places. I thought it was fine. But um, yeah, as far as just a classy upscale joint, I think it's got to be Lindy's. That's that's okay. my favorite. I would I would say Mitchell's. I, Mitchell's I is their... great. I mean, yeah, what? like I'm not trying to crap on Mitchell's. I just I don't know. I just love Lindy's atmosphere and how they do things. Oh, it's totally fair. You know, I but Mitchell's was like the place has a special place in my heart because i went there with my parents like when i was a freshman in college like oh, yeah. so right after it was like the first meal i had like in terms of like you know getting them like, caught adult, up on, like right? all the freshman experience i had and it was like super awesome and it right was, uh, exactly very good meal had a great steak there and uh yeah you know it was it was a good time i didn't uh, i i didn't really feel like i needed to go to any other steakhouses downtown after that i was like this is if i need I need a spot. Mitchell's will be it. So it it didn't do me wrong. It was a great spot. So I can't recommend it enough. All right. There you go. So that's ask us anything. Thank you for sending those in. Those are excellent questions and excellent answers. If I do say ourselves, I think we did a great job. Um, Last thing here, let's do some non rev stuff before we roll out of here. Sammy Sasso. Wins second Big Ten title at 149. Ohio State men's uh, wrestling, Ohio State wrestling, I guess there's no women's wrestling, as we mentioned last week, unfortunately. But uh, Ohio State wrestling finishes fourth in the Big Ten championship. Sammy Sasso gets out there and kicks butt. Love to see that. Uh, Men's hockey is going to be facing Michigan in the tournament. Uh, Baseball's looking good out west. Women's tennis is doing good. Uh, women's hockey obviously has been on a tear this entire season. And then, you know, women's basketball, the huge comeback that they had biggest, what was that? The biggest in big 10 tournament history, I think against Indiana, um, which at halftime, I think everybody just thought they were completely dead in the water. They come back and win that game. Unfortunately lost in the big 10 title game to, uh, to Iowa, but overall a really nice, few days for non-rev sports and the old uh, Buckeye State that was that was really cool to see I love that yeah you gotta love a comeback uh I think the if you looked at that 
you know, people, whenever those happen, they love looking at the win probability graphs charting oh, yeah, out. Right. And to your point, uh, Indiana, like at halftime, I mean, it was basically it was as like far out to 100 as you can get. And yeah, dipping, you know, fluctuating close back to that throughout the second half before finally cliffing off. And it, uh, Ohio State, it swung back in their favor at one point, I think, even when they were down, but then it dipped back in favor of uh, I, uh, Indiana. And then eventually, yeah, they completed the comeback all the way. So it's, uh, you know, even it, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm really happy that they got to have that because they, you know, they had such a great start to the season that mm-hmm. it was – I know it was really devastating for a lot of fans the way that their season played out because they, you know, to that, what I was talking about earlier with the fan, there's always the windfall of fans that come in from football ending that want to latch onto the basketball team. Right. And of course, as soon as the football team was done and the national championship was over for football, uh, you know, the team obviously just started going in the tank because, right. you know, they were for a variety of reasons. And there were so many fans you could tell that wanted, like, it, even, you know, people we were talking to at 11 Warriors that wanted to latch onto the women's team because of the success they were having by comparison. And right around that same time, I think, is when things started going south for them. So for, for the amount of momentum they had in the early part of the season with the drop-off for them to be able to say that they accomplished something as cool as having the biggest comeback in turn conference tournament history. And they get to carry that with them for the rest of their lives. That's uh that's a pretty awesome thing. So you, you love to see that kind of a achievement for an Ohio state athlete. Yeah, I agree. And another sport that I'm, you know, similarly kind of being a, <laughs> I want to, I, I don't feel bad about being a bandwagon fan when it comes to this stuff because they deserve more attention when they're this good, but women's hockey Defending national champions, number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. You know, they've got they've got a team that has been playing for a long time, really, really well. Nadine Mozzarella coach has been very, very insistent that people need to pay more attention and give more respect to them. And they she is absolutely correct that they deserve a better place to play, that they deserve more eyeballs than they've been getting. Uh, I, I hope people follow them as they get into the tournament here and, and give them the love that they deserve because they've been just kicking butt. And, and anytime you see an Ohio State team of any sport be this great, uh, you know, and, and do these things in back-to-back years, they deserve your attention. So I'm excited about that one. That's the women's hockey is definitely a, a sport that I will be following closely probably in the next couple of months here. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And, and all, as are all the non-rev sports. And I'm glad that we're able to give them a little bit more attention, um, especially now, you know, as basketball starts to wind down. And, you know, football, of course, you're going to have spring, you know, s- start up a little bit more now. But um, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch these teams do their thing in the in the postseason. So that'll be good. Also, really, really good, George, was your input this week. You did a fantastic job. Thank you so much, man, for joining us. Uh, it was great having you, and and you know certainly won't be the last time. I'm sure. Listen, I will. I'm I, I'm thrilled. I feel like I'm moving up in the world. It's uh this this is the first podcast I've done. I, my guess is there's probably a, a handful, maybe a couple people that you know if they're are if they, my guess is if they're consuming the dubcast, they're consuming as much uh, audio content in the uh, Ohio State 
content sphere as they possibly can. So you you may recognize me from three years ago from the Burn Down the Big Ten show that I did for Land Grant Holy Land, <laughs> as well as the flagship uh, podcast for that site um, that I did in 2020 with uh, its editor, Gene Ross. I have not podcasted since. I didn't think I was going to get back into it. And then uh, on a whim last night, Johnny asked me to fill in uh, for Mr. Andy. And I was able to dust off my uh, blue snowball microphone I spent $50 on three years ago and haven't used since. And I thank you very much, Johnny, for giving me an opportunity to use it again. It's been fun. Dude, you were fantastic. You did an excellent job. didn't sound like you ever left for a second you did an awesome job dude so thank you so much and thank you for listening and and we'll see you next week but until then i'm johnny i'm george and we'll see you then